The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And today's show, we're going to be talking about communication, particularly through the spoken word and how important that is in our daily lives. And I have with me today Rochelle Lamb, who is an expert on nonviolent communication. Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Thank you, Peter. I'm happy to be here. So I guess I'll have to be careful how I speak today on the show. Hey, don't worry. (laughs) We're going to have fun. You start second-guessing yourself all the time. (laughs) Perhaps we could begin, actually, by by talking a little bit about the the issues and problems that are created by the way in which we communicate with each other through language. Okay. Well, I think one of the things that's so vitally important is just to recognize that when we're speaking, we have been conditioned in a great part, and it's a conditioning that we're mostly not aware of. And so just to give you some examples, like when something is happening and we're not enjoying what's happening, usually we go into a, you know, automatic pilot, a default setting, and we start to find the things that are wrong, and we use language that labels things as being wrong. So we are in a right-wrong thinking mode, and we have uh, just a huge amount of, um, let's say, adjectives to describe what we don't like. We'll say things like someone's selfish, someone is manipulative, someone is uncaring, those types of things. And they don't help us to resolve the problem. And, in fact, what they do is they create greater problems. So our words can be windows or walls. They can be openings or closures. So... And in creating this, this uh, the closing or, or, I suppose, creating some defensiveness in the person that we're communicating with. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, Joseph Chilton Pierce's book, uh, The Biology of Transcendence, he's, he puts it this way. He says that uh, any judgment we make, no matter of whom, registers in the heart as a disruption of relationship and that the heart dutifully responds on behalf of our defense-shifting neural hormonal and electromagnetic systems from relational to defensive. So it's something that we can feel. And in spite of the fact that we know this, we know that uh, when we use judgments and we speak them to other people, we know that they will create defensiveness and still we use them. 
because it's how we've been programmed, and we don't really know what else to do for the most part. So why has, why has this situation sort of tended to escape uh, scrutiny at a deeper level? Um, well, I can only speculate on that, but I, I think it's because it's, we learn to speak before we learn to actually think. So it's something that happens at a very young age. We we hear our adults speaking around us, and we just start to speak. We there, we're, uh, the modeling is happening, and so it's something that happens before we have an opportunity to think about it. But when we start to think about it and look at the way we're using our communication, especially in those conflict situations, we begin to see that in fact what we're doing is is virtually suicidal. In fact, it it gives us the exact opposite of what we would like. So if you're, let me just think of an example that will come up often in workshops, okay? And, and I don't like to generalize, but I'm going to do it here. Okay. And we'll say that uh, a woman is upset about um, her husband, and she says things like, you know, he's unresponsive to her. And so I'll ask, well, what, what's the kind of thing you might say to him? And she might say, well, I could say, you know, speaking to you is like speaking to a wall. You're just so unresponsive and shut down. And if I ask, well, and how does he respond? Well, he shuts down even more. Well, of course he's going to do that. Imagine what it's like to be on the receiving end of those words. And so what I ask people to do is to start to look deeper, Um, you know, in the communication model that I teach people Every judgment is a tragic expression of an unmet need. So if I ask this woman to go deeper into what's really alive in her, she will end up speaking in very different ways. It's going to take some time for her to develop the ability and the skill to do it. Um, But it would sound something like this. Um, You know, when I see you sitting on the couch watching TV and I say hello and you don't respond to me, I'm feeling kind of sad inside and I'm remembering what it used to be like when we couldn't get enough of each other. And do you remember that? And I'm longing for that. It was, there was just such a sweetness and vibrancy to that, and I'm wanting to experience that with you again. Now, that will capture his attention much more than, you know, what she said previously. Martin Luther King Jr., when he spoke, he didn't say, I have a grievance and I'm sick and tired of racism. He didn't say that. He said, I have a dream. And so that's the key piece here is as we can use the nonviolent communication model to express what's alive in us in the form of a dream because it's something that we're longing for. Does that help, Peter? Absolutely. And, and what it's reminding me of is, is other guests that I've had on the show who, who are talking about uh, all of the uh, illness and sickness and, and things that come up in our world as a result of things that took place in the first seven years of our life because that's going into the emotional body before we can really intellectualize things. And so this is part of the same thing, isn't it, where we're actually speaking before we can really think it through properly and so it gets embedded in us in this uh, programming sense. Absolutely. And I can give you an example of how that happens uh, at, a, at a very young age. Uh, let's imagine that uh, I'm a child and I'm playing with a sibling and we're playing with our toys and until my younger brother takes one of my toys and then what I do is I hit him. And so often what will happen is a parent would come approach a situation like that and they might say something to me like, Rochelle, that's wrong. We don't hit in this family. Say you're sorry and go to your room. So that's a very strong training right there. 
because what never happens as a result of me being spoken to in that way, I never say, wow, thank you for that message. I'm really enjoying the way you delivered that. Um, You know, you're making it very clear to me just how important respect and safety and harmony are in this family. And those are needs that we all have. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. We don't say that. Now, of course, we, we can't imagine a child would ever respond that way, but when I ask parents, that's what they want the child to understand, that safety and respect or harmony are important. But notice the difference in language that is used because the person says that's wrong, we don't hit in this family, say you're sorry and go to your room. So instead what happens to me as a child is while I'm in my room, first of all, I like to ask people, do you think I'm thinking about you know, correcting my ways while I'm in my room? I'm not thinking those thoughts. In fact, what I'm thinking is uh, I'm confused. I don't know why that just happened. I'm afraid of the parent, and now I have a grudge against my brother. And I, if I'm the rebellious sort, I'll just be thinking in terms of, I'll just make sure that the next time I hit my brother that nobody's watching. So you, you notice there's a way that we start to think. And also, when I say I'm sorry, because I've been asked to say I'm sorry, I'll, I'll say something like, sorry, and I'm not even sorry. So I'm missing out that opportunity to really connect with what occurred so in, in a nonviolent communication model, the parent would then approach the child who was hit and said, you know, whoa, let's stop this. Well, you know, when I see you hit your brother, I feel scared because I really value uh, safety and respect. Can you tell me what you're hearing me say? It's a much different message, and it asks the child to be, begin to place attention on the needs, on safety and respect, which is much more uh, concrete to a child than the concept of wrong. It's also that, uh, that description you've given is very much part of, of the isolation and separation that we all suffer from. So it reinforces, in fact, that we are a completely separate being from everybody else when we get isolated and separated rather than kept within the group and, 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 and sort of nurtured and talked through the situation that's taken place. Mm-hmm. There's such medicine, good medicine, in speaking well <laughs> and yeah. being able to connect at that level. And every single thing that we do as human beings, we're doing in order to satisfy a need. And needs are life-serving. You know, harmony is a life-serving thing. So is respect. You know, so is caring, nurturing. These are all life-serving. There isn't a need that's not life-serving. Strategies, possibly. So we go, so we go from, from the, the fairly simple and basic example that you've given of a, of a child in the family mm-hmm. uh, to the ways in which we communicate on the, on the um, country level with, with the way in which leaders communicate with each other and, and, and this alienation that takes place across the globe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because there's so m- much language that's used that infers wrongness in it. You know, that's not right. It should not be that way. The word should comes up an awful lot in this kind of language that separates people. It does not create a bridge to the other person. That's what we want to be able to do is build that bridge to the other person. There's a saying that the longest journey you'll ever make is from your head to your heart. And, and it is a long journey when you've been educated away from your natural way of being. I do believe that the natural way of being is to speak in a language of needs because it's so immediate. 
So I think I personally want to ask you this question. I think it's the biggest question of all. Why, why is it that when we are in, a, in conflict or in communication with someone else, we have this incredible need to prove ourselves right and the other person wrong? What's, what's driving that? I, you know, at, at, at the basis of that, this may sound kind of unusual, but I, I think it's our, our need to contribute. You know, when we're saying, no, I'm right about this, Oftentimes, it's there were a, a deep desire to contribute to the other person, but we don't go about doing it in a way that would open the door for the other person. So again, it creates that that separation mm-hmm. uh, rather than, than the inclusion and, and coming together. That's right, and then and then the ego takes over. You know, it just becomes about the ego being right instead of looking deeper than that and seeing that in fact, as human beings, we are programmed to connect. So, Rochelle, we're coming up to our first break now, and having discussed uh, many of the problems, and we'll, we'll obviously continue with that shortly, but let's begin looking at the solutions to meaningful and helpful communication. Okay. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Are you looking to discover who you really are? Do you want to know your true self and your soul purpose? Tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom with your host, Seti Nave. Let Seti be your guide to be self-empowered and learn about the magical arts. Seti's guests are made up of practitioners, teachers, and life-minded people who are interested in more than just going through the motions. You will learn to manifest your dreams when you tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on 7th Wave Network. Explore the infinite possibilities of the unknown. Learn about the mysterious and mythical realms through time and space. Realize your inner truth. Tune in to Spirit Walker with Dr. Jeffrey Pierce and co-host Cindy Pierce. Dr. Pierce is a true intuitive. He is legally blind, uses no cards, pendulums, or guides, and has been found to have 97% consistent accuracy based on testing by the United Kingdom Institute of Psychic Sciences Research Center. Listen for topics that others are afraid to address on Spirit Walker, Wednesday at 1 p.m. East, 10 a.m. West on 7th Wave Network. The new home for visionary positive change. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. 
like to thank one of my sponsors at this stage of the show, thenaturedoctor.com, a new line of whole food nutrients for conscious living. Either click on the banner on my host page or go to www.thenaturedoctor.com. I'm really looking forward to this next section on the show. Uh, I feel very strongly that the work that uh, Rochelle Lamb is doing with nonviolent communication is really critical to uh, healing the planet and moving from a place of conflict and isolation and separation to one of heart-centered love and alignment and the recognition that we are all interconnected. So, Rochelle, why don't you continue by telling us a little bit about the nonviolent communication program and, and the processes involved? Okay. Let me start with a, a quote uh, from Einstein who said that no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. And so this really does represent a paradigm shift for people. And what we do, we begin with, first of all, our intention, the strength of our intention. So when things aren't going as we would like and we've encountered that, you know, escalating tension, what we want to do is make sure that our intention is always to connect. So I can ask the question, do you want to build a case or do you want to build a connection? <laughs> because there's two different ways to do that, <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, yes. So to build a case, most of us are, are, are experts at that because when you go to right wrong, wrong thinking and threats and punishment, that's what will happen. But to, to build a connection is a little uh, almost counterintuitive because of the conditioning that we have. So we have four simple steps in nonviolent communication. And in terms of what we're going to speak, the first would be that we would make a clear observation of what we're seeing or hearing that we're not enjoying. The second step is to state how we're feeling about that. The third step is to state what need of ours is wanting to be fulfilled. And the fourth step is to make a clear and doable request in order to, you know, shift the situation. Four simple steps. And we're using them to either speak our honesty or to listen empathically to the other person because these are two key pieces to learn how to speak honestly and to hear empathically. Um, what I can say is that when I speak about honesty, in nonviolent communication it has a very different definition than it does in standard uh, communication because I'm sure most listeners have heard the following, you know, I hate to do this, but I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. And then what you're about to hear is a lot of uh, words describing you and your you know, terrible behavior, <laughs> okay? Absolutely. And that's not the kind of honesty NVC is speaking about. It's the ability to state what's alive in us at a level of feelings and needs because these are, these are actually, uh, they're the basis of life. There's, there's a real energy there, and they're positive in nature, even when they're not, even when there's a frustration there because frustration is going to be attached to something that is life nourishing. So I gave the example earlier of the parent speaking to the child. So the observation is when I see you hit your brother, and which is different than when I see you abuse or attack, okay, those words are going to start to stimulate defensiveness. So it's just that we witnessed hitting. So when I see you hit your brother, I feel scared or frustrated. That's the feeling because I have a need 
uh, for safety and respect and harmony for all of us here. And then the request I might make would be, could you tell me what you're hearing me say? And I would ask that because in communication, it's so easy for, for misunderstandings to occur at the level of speaking and receiving. So many people are aware of the fact that when we speak some, something, it's so easy for the person who's listening to take what we've said, put their own spin on it, and turn it into a dagger <laughs> for themselves. And so it's important to ask, you know, what are you hearing me say? Not so that we can check out somebody's ability to hear, but so that we can just make sure that the communication is clear. And then if, if it hasn't been, it's my opportunity to say, okay, thank you for telling me what you've heard. You know, I'd like to be heard differently. Let me see if I can say it in another way. So those are the four steps of the communication model. I'd like to say a little bit more about feelings, Peter, because uh, so often I might ask a person how they're feeling, and they won't say how they're feeling, although they'll use the word feeling. They'll say something like, well, I'm feeling that um, the world is really in a state of chaos right now. Now, I'd like to ask you, Peter, did you hear a feeling in that, or did you hear thinking? Oh, that's definitely thinking. Yeah, and so we often use the word feeling to instead of thinking. And so feeling is much, it's happening at a somatic level. So it's at the level of the body. You know, what's occurring? Are you frustrated? Do you feel tension? Are you happy? It's very simple. It's like the emoticons that we use, you know, in in emails. And so is it a happy face? Is it a sad face? Use a language like that. I mean, I could say at this point that no person on this planet has ever felt disrespected, ever because it's a thought. Uh, Disrespected is an interpretation of what someone is doing to us. So I invite people to to really examine that closely. Respect is a very important need. And so instead of saying that, you know, that I feel disrespected, what I might say is I feel anxious because my need for respect is not being met right now. But do you hear a difference in that? Oh, absolutely and totally. And and I was thinking again, particularly... uh, Typically, for more, more, I guess, typically for men than women, but is is really being stuck in the head and unable to get down into that into those feelings. Into mm-hmm. what those feelings are. Yes. So I think we're always seeking again from the mind some um, fairly. Uh, um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Something that's grand and, and significant. I, I suppose when in fact we're just saying I feel sad or angry or happy, mm-hmm. whatever it is. We just need to state what that basic feeling is. Mm-hmm. And it, it requires a courageous vulnerability to do that. There is a reason why people do find it um, challenging to speak about their feelings because it does expose. And yet there's a real beauty in that kind of vulnerability that I'm speaking about. And it's not a weakness. In fact, it's a strength. It's, and, and it's hard to do because it requires that we, you know, put down our armor to be able to connect. But that is what people are wanting so much. You know, deep down, that's what we long for. We long for the connection. But we've been educated away from it. And, and not even at a conscious level. Nobody, you know, wakes up and says, I'm going to educate a person away from their natural uh, feelings and needs. But when it goes on unconsciously, it's easy for it to occur. And also, when you open yourself up, to that level of vulnerability, you have to have some trust and confidence that the other person won't take advantage of that. 
Yes. Now, we can't have that always. You know, we'd love to have those assurances. And so that's why it's important then to be able to listen empathically. Because let's say, for example, that I do say something to somebody and they they get upset. They might say something like, well, fine for you to say, but I, I think you're very selfish. Okay? So this would not be a good time for me to say, you misunderstand me completely. <laughs> okay? Even though misunderstanding is taking place. Instead, I want to be able to listen empathically to that person. So if someone says to me, you're, you're very selfish, I can respond in uh, a few different ways. My standard conditioned way of responding would be to say something like, how could you say such a thing after everything I've done for you? So that is not going to elicit a connection if I speak that way. The other thing I might do is actually agree with them and think to myself quietly that it's true I am selfish because I think in right-wrong terms. And, you know, maybe I'm thinking, oh, I've been in therapy for so long. This is my fifth relationship. I'm such a failure. So I use a vocabulary and way of thinking that's always about right and wrong. What I'm suggesting instead is to listen empathically. When you say to me, I'm selfish, I could respond by saying, okay, I hear you say that I'm selfish. I'm wondering, are you frustrated or angry right now because you're not trusting that your needs are being equally considered? Is that what's going on for you? Now, do you hear a difference in that? You're, you're creating the opportunity for the other person to respond in a different way, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. And uh, sometimes people actually have a hard time with that, you know, because it, when I'm opening that up in that way, of course, what we're saying is we're going to be vulnerable. Um, Rumi has a quote, out beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there's a field. I'll meet you there. So NVC creates that possibility for us to meet each other, uh, to truly meet each other, so that I can hear what's alive in you at a level of feelings and needs, and that you can hear what's alive in me at a level of feelings and needs. And the beauty of that is that there's never a conflict at the level of needs. Conflict exists at the level of strategies, not at the level of needs, because there isn't a need that I have that you don't have, and vice versa. We all share the same needs. Everybody on the planet has a need for respect, to be loved, to be nurtured, for meaning, for purpose, harmony, honesty, trust, all of these things. We all have these needs. But we might have different strategies about how we go about connecting or, or, or fulfilling those needs. Does, does that uh, make sense? Yeah, and then strategies, again, you're, you're back into the, the mind and back into thought as opposed to, to being in the feelings and, and the needs at the feeling level. That's right. So we go to, well, no, that's not the right way. You know, it should be done this way. Do it this way. Do it my way. And then we forget to go to, well, what was the underlying need to begin with? Because if we go there, what happens is it opens up the space for uh, a myriad of strategies, that some that we wouldn't have thought of before. So very important to be able to do that. We'll just come to our second break uh, right now, Michelle, but again, I think what's really important for, for our listeners to understand is, is when you shift into that uh, place of, the, of, of feelings and empathetically listening and opening up that connection, how you prevent yourself from stepping back into the, into the mind and the right and wrong, and so I guess how you maintain 
that being in that place because I'm sure we can try and then and then our energy starts to shift and we get a bit uh, edgy again and, and so we get back into the mind. So when we come back, I'll, I'll ask Rochelle to explain to us how we actually maintain a sustainable way of, of communicating in, in a non-violent way. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Wondering what the heck is going on on planet Earth? Feeling time speeding up but your energy slowing down? Then there are those strange physical symptoms, sudden life and career shifts, a sense of loss of identity or purpose. As we rapidly move into a new dimension, the old structures are falling away. How will we navigate what is new? After all, the Ascension doesn't come with an instruction manual. Hillary Harris hosts Ascension 360, Navigating the New World Energies, airing live Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. Ascension 360. Tune in to see how it all turns out. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a Higher Dimension. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And I just want to uh, focus your attention on the upcoming free televent that uh, I am doing on January the 19th with Swami Beyondananda, Steve Behrman, and Dr. Leonard Lasko. Love, Laugh, and Learn is going to be a seven-week tele-seminar series that we are doing together to uh, bring us all up to the most powerful energetic vibration that we can uh, based upon love, laughter, and understanding what is going on in the world today please go to www.myheartcenterjourney.com where you'll see all of the information for the free 
tell events on January the 19th and the series beginning on January the 26th. And you can also listen there to the interview that I did last week with uh, the Swami with some very funny, uh, clever wordplay moments talking about that particular series and, and what we're going to be including in that. So please do go to www.myheartcenterjourney.com to find out all about that uh, particular teleseminar series. So back to you now, Rochelle, and, and I asked you just before the break if you could talk a little bit about how we actually sustain that uh, energy of, of being in the feeling and communicating and connecting rather than shifting back into our place of, of needing to be right and, and, and closing down the connection. Mm-hmm. Just chat about that a little bit. Okay. Well, it, it's something that requires some uh, a lot of practice. Um, because it's very seductive to just move back into the, well, I'll say easier way, only because it's a habitual way, habitual way of responding and reacting in situations. So um, instead of reacting in a situation, I'm trying to train people to respond and to stop. Um, so what what's vitally important is for people to become aware of how they're feeling and what they're needing. I mean, those are the two things that I, the first time I was exposed to nonviolent communication, I just started to, you know, have a mantra, which was, you know, feelings and needs, feelings and needs. So if somebody was upset, whether it was on television or in my family or out on the street somewhere, I would just ask, like, what is that person feeling? What is that person needing right now? And if I look at myself in this moment, how I'm feeling is I'm, I'm excited to be able to share this with people, and it's meeting my need to contribute because I've seen how absolutely vital this information is for people. It's not uncommon for, you know, people to attend workshops and say, why, why isn't this taught in schools, you know? And th- I'm happy to say there are some schools where this is being uh, shared and modeled because the modeling is the most important piece. But um, you asked me about staying grounded and that sustaining it. So it really comes back to training ourselves to come back to how am I feeling in this moment? What is my need that is so alive? Or maybe it's a need that's already being fulfilled as well. It doesn't always have to be used uh when there's something that's not going right, another way that we use nonviolent communication is to celebrate what is going right in the world and to express our gratitude and appreciation for things. So we do it by thanking people. And instead of saying, you're a great person, we would say, I'm feeling so joyful because of how your actions have contributed to my well-being. So a big piece in this is, is awareness, isn't it? It's, it's being aware of how we are ourselves reacting how what our feelings are like inside and also watching other people to see how they are responding or reacting to situations so that we we create a whole uh, conscious awareness around people's interactions and what's really going on below the surface which brings me back to this question of listening empathically because one of the things you indicated a little bit earlier is this need to go beyond the words that are being spoken mm-hmm. speak a bit more about that yeah. Um, let's say, for example, that we, we have a couple, and because I do work with couples, and there's, there's some tension. And oftentimes what you'll hear both people saying is, well, you never listen to me. You know, it's, I, I don't know what it is, but you just, it's so hard to get through to you. You never listen to me. Well, what if the other person, instead of saying, but I do listen to you, you know, you're forgetting about all the times I do listen. What if that person said instead, 
I really hear how frustrated you are right now. You know, are you feeling frustrated? Because you have a need to be heard and understood. And so often in our exchanges, that need of yours is not met in the way you would like. Is that what's going on for you? So it's, it's very disarming to hear that, especially when it's sincere, and it must be sincere. Uh, we must really want to connect with the other person. Mark Nepo, who's a, a writer who wrote the book, The Exquisite Risk, Daring to Live an Authentic Life, and also the Book of Awakenings, that's one of Oprah's favorites, he says, to listen means to lean in softly with a willingness to be changed by what we hear. And those are very beautiful words to live by, Peter, because so often when people are saying things and are doing things and we're not enjoying it, we, we start to fortify ourselves uh, so that we can prove ourselves and show why what the other person is doing isn't right. Instead of developing that ability to lean in softly with a willingness to be changed. It's a tough thing to do. But once you start doing it, you, I would say you get addicted to it in a good way. <laughs> you know, because what happens is our world doesn't get smaller, it gets larger when we truly listen at a deep level to what's happening for people. And there's such a richness of humanity in each single person and each person's story that it's just, um, it really stops us. It stops us in our tracks and helps us to remember what is so vitally important. And that's one of the reasons why I practice nonviolent communication uh, and this particular model, because it helps me to remember what is so easy to forget in a society that really um, idolizes uh, independence, competency, success, you know, in ways that often leave us bereft when it comes to our deeper selves and our nature of who we really are. I want to connect deeply with people. So this brings me to, to, I think, a fundamentally important point that we talked about earlier in terms of separation and isolation through conflict in, in communication and language and focusing on individual needs because those individual needs actually are common needs that we share and therefore that brings us together into that connection that we all have. So just talk a bit about the, the needs that we all have. Yeah, you know, when I give a workshop, I start out with saying, okay, I'm going to give you 20 minutes to develop a list of needs, and I'm going to give you some example of needs, like to love and be loved, uh, caring, nurturing, harmony, trust. And, um, you know, in 15, 20 minutes, people generate a very long list of needs. And time and time again, when I ask people to do that and then look, at, look around the room and look at those lists, they're invariably the same. People write the same words. And if I was to go to another country, you know, the, the same list would appear only in a different language. And so it's very important that we connect with our needs when things aren't going as we would like. Uh, the reason why we often don't do it is because we've been conditioned against it. And I will say this, Peter, is that people uh, who are connected to their needs make very poor slaves. So if you want to run a system of domination, the first thing you want to do is to disconnect people from their feelings and from their needs. And so what I'm trying to do is help us all to see that, well, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to be living in systems of domination because we have the intelligence and 
the awareness that what we truly want to do is to be able to contribute meaningfully and to help each other. There's, there's no greater thrill, really, than at the end of the day to look at your day and see how you contributed and worked with other people in a harmonious way. And so needs are not at odds with each other. It's the strategies that we use. So I'll keep asking people to come back to the needs, and they're very simple. You know, there's probably about 60 on the needs list altogether. So that's not a very uh, big um, uh, dictionary, if you will, because we are talking about learning a new language in a way. And, uh, you know, when you're trying to learn Spanish, for example, you're given a, a dictionary, and there's a lot of words in there, and it's going to take you quite a bit of time to learn it. With nonviolent communication, it still will take some time, but the dictionary is much smaller, one sheet of paper, and it's all there for people. So I, I hope that answers the question. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now. And okay. <laughs> say, so when you fall out of, of uh, conscious communication and you get into a, a reactive space, I'm, I'm sure extremely rarely. Mm. Well, I'm <laughs> not you, sure. How do you, how do you treat yourself after you realize that you've slipped? Oh, this is a, a very good question because how we treat ourselves afterwards is uh, we can either be violent with ourselves and say things like, oh, how could I have done that? That was such a stupid thing for me to do, at, you know, after all that I know about communication. But that's not helpful. So the minute I catch myself doing something like that, I want to recognize that, in fact, when I was triggered, I was doing my best to meet a need, but I wasn't connected to it. I recognized that I was disconnected from my needs. In fact, whenever we're angry, we are disconnected from our needs, and we're up on our, on our head thinking should. You know, when I'm angry, three things are true. Marshall Rosenberg uses this quote, and I'd like to speak about him later because he's the sure. creator of this process. Um, but he says, when, I, when I'm angry, three things are true. One, there's something that I'm wanting that I'm not getting. Two, I'm thinking it should be given to me. And three, I'm about to speak or behave in ways that will virtually assure I won't get what I want. <laughs> okay? Yeah, so, yeah. But, but we, do, we do get angry, we, you know, and we do fall out of, you know, the connection that we have with our needs. And so, yeah, after something happens, um, I, will, I will recognize the need I was attempting to meet, but then I can also recover from it. You know, I can, I can approach the person and say, hey, you know, when I spoke to you in the way that I did earlier... Um, and I reflect on that, I'm not feeling very good about it right now. It didn't meet my need to be in connection with you, to really hear and understand what was going on for you, and I'd like to do it again, you know, and I'd like to know how you feel hearing what I just said. And that takes some real courage again, doesn't it, to step, to step into that situation and, and admit that perhaps we may have not approached it in the right way, and, and can we try it again? Well, yeah. Now, I, I would say I tweak that a little bit because see how easy it was for you to say that we didn't approach it in the right way, which is the same yeah. as I approached yeah, 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 it in yeah. the wrong way, that in fact I approached it in a way that was out of alignment with what I really value because nobody wants to be wrong. Uh, and so it, it kind of bypasses that altogether by going to something that's much deeper than that. Rochelle, we're coming up to our final break. It's absolutely fascinating discussion, and I really appreciate your wisdom in, in this very, very important area. We have one uh, segment left with Rochelle Lamb. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation.
Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Can you define your talent in six words or less? Are you using your inner resource, intuition? Listening to Joyce Anderson of Conversations with Yourself will work your intuitive muscle to discover your divine skill. Each week, your host, Joyce Anderson, will give you practical exercises to jumpstart your intuition, to live in your talent. From sports to business to music to food, talent is everywhere. Join Joyce and her engaging guests to hear their how-to stories. Tune in to Conversations with Yourself Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network and ignite your talent. Be extraordinary. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong, and I really do hope that you will. Make contact if you have any comments about the show, any particular show or the series of shows. If there are any particular guests or topics that you would like me to cover, please do drop me a line to descendingdove at gmail.com or go through my website, www.petertongue.com. I have some wonderful guests lined up in the next few weeks, but I do have a few openings in the future for any particular guests that you feel would be particularly appropriate for this show. And I have with me today Rochelle Lamb, and we're talking about nonviolent communication. And Rochelle, I know you wanted to say a few words about Marshall Rosenberg, who who's, uh, sort of invented this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marshall Rosenberg wrote the book Nonviolent Communication, and he's the founder of the Center for Nonviolent Communication. I'm a certified trainer of nonviolent communication, so I'm affiliated with the center, which is based in the in the U.S. And um, I, I urge people to, you know, pick up the book, Nonviolent Communication, because they will certainly get a lot out of it. Um, it's in much more detail, you know, the details of what I've been speaking about for the past little while. And, uh, I, you know, when I attended the workshop, I've done a lot of training with him, and the first workshop that I attended with him, I was just so struck, you know. I, I, I really fell in love with him because it was, I just went, ah, you know, I've been looking for this for so long, although I didn't know I had been looking for it. But he spoke directly to my heart about the world and the way that it could be. And it's not to look at it through rose-colored glasses. It's really just to recognize the huge potential that we have as human beings to contribute to each other's well-being. And it's such a wonderful power that we have. Yeah, so I wanted to just share that piece about him. 
Absolutely. So while you're on this topic, uh, just tell us about your own uh, website and, and workshops that you uh, that you lead and what people can expect. Yeah, I've been doing this work for over 10 years, and my website is www.rachellelam.com. And I do have workshops coming up. I've, you know, I work in Ottawa quite a bit. I work in Victoria. That's where I'm based. Uh, I will be teaching. Uh, you can just go to my website and look up, up under workshops to see workshops I'm doing on empathy. I also teach at Royal Roads and at Hollyhock. Every year I give a five-day retreat, uh, which is on Cortez Island. And that this year that will be happening on May 22nd to 27th. So uh, I just invite people to, to go to the web, uh, website, have a look. And also I do in-house trainings. I work um, in uh, organizations and often on the topic of conflict resolution, leadership, communication, how it applies to leadership. I do individual coaching and I do counseling uh, with individuals and couples as well. So because communication is everywhere and so is conflict. <laughs> Yeah. That certainly is true. And it's just so a natural what, what, thing. What, I, I'd like to say, too, Peter, I don't try to get rid of conflict. I help people to understand conflict. You know, it's, it's actually just uh, a tension that first manifests itself when things are needing to be bigger than they are. It's almost like a way of saying, you know, there's more of me here and there's not enough space, and so now the tensions arise, and how we speak about it is really going to determine whether or not this becomes toxic or whether it becomes generative. So nonviolent communication helps it for, for it to become generative. So what you're saying then is actually conflict is, a, is an important uh, step in the, in the overall process. Yes, yeah. And, and I don't, I don't try to get rid of it. I just, uh, but I don't like it when, of course, when it becomes toxic. That's what war is. It's toxic. So let's just talk about that a little bit and, and look at the bigger picture in terms of world events and how we can actually make a difference in, in on a world scale with something like nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I like to always bring it back. We're, we're asking to look at the big picture. I always like to bring it back to what we can do as individuals because it has such an impact on the bigger picture. So rather than going out, I mean, I'm doing my best to change the world, <laughs> and as you are, Peter, and I think that these smaller ways that we're doing them are actually big ways, but we're, it's, it's not always easy to see it. But one of the things that we can do is just to begin to model. Um, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said the following. He said, the nonviolent approach does not immediately change the heart of the oppressor. It first does something to the hearts and souls of those committed to it. It gives them new self-respect. It calls up resources of strength and courage they did not know they had. And so my invitation is for people to start to really apply this to their own lives because then what happens is how they approach the bigger situations, it will have a ripple effect in that way. I, I don't know if that answers the question, but, you know, we are the people. I encourage people not to wait for government, not to wait for others. Do it. Start doing it with yourself right now because we are... We are the change we wish to, we are the change, we must be the change, as Gandhi said. We must be the change we wish to see in the world. It all begins uh, with each and every one of us each day. That's right. That's right. Obviously, from what you're saying, in in every moment, in all of our relationships, we have this opportunity to make make the choice. Yes. So I, I invite people not to demonize any organization, not to demonize government, 
not to demonize anything which creates enemy images, which is the cause of a toxic conflict that turns to war, but rather to recognize the needs that are not being fulfilled, that could be fulfilled, and to start to speak in terms of dream. I have a dream, <laughs> you know. I have a dream that people will learn this particular process and that just by way of speaking passionately about their needs, which are also always going to be inclusive of other people, they can't not be because needs are universal, that we can make huge changes as a result of how we speak. So, Rochelle, we're actually coming up to the end of the show. Time has flown by very quickly. Yeah. So what would you say is the most important thing for people to come away with from listening to the show today and from nonviolent communication? Oh, that's a big question, Peter. I think I would ask people to look at their intention. I said it earlier on, do you want to build a case or do you want to build a connection? When we are firmly grounded in building a connection with others, the words naturally flow from that place. They can't not do that, but it's very easy to deviate from that. So to do whatever you can to become grounded and to, to learn about the process of nonviolent communication. There are many trainers around the world, so I know you've got listeners from you know, other areas besides, uh, besides BC, and uh, so I encourage people to find out what they can about nonviolent communication. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, uh, and this whole concept of, of, being, of paying attention and being mindful and being aware is so critically important, isn't it? In, and it's often within our own families that we have the biggest challenges as we interact at such a close emotional level with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can I share a quote, Peter? Very quickly, yes. Um, Hafiz, the Sufi po- poet Hafiz, and I love this quote. He says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Imagine what happens to a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. NZC helps us to really uh, have a, a very powerful relationship with giving and, and our own generosity. So that's what I'd like to leave listeners with. And, and I also want to thank you for all the work that you're doing in raising awareness. And, uh, and also thank you for inviting me to the show. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, Rochelle, thank you very much indeed. I'll, I'll take that compliment. Uh-huh. And thank you for giving that. And, and I really appreciate your time on the show today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So next week, my guests on the show will be Zara Lightways and Terry Damlos, and we're going to be talking about seeding the future now, schools for the future, changing our old educational paradigm, and setting up systems that actually work well for our children and their needs, as we've been talking about today, for now. Please do check up myheartcenterjourney.com for the very exciting, funny, and loving presentation that's coming up later in January. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Have a wonderful week. found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.